All right, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from the Patreons. Lots of gems, lots of Jeet Kune Do is dead, lots of the triads in the Shaolin Temple. Get the real story here. It's all bullshit. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial arts. Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? Sifu, I am doing rather well. All right, awesome. Swell well. So here we are for another Patreon Ask Me Anything episode. Yes. Uh, we had a couple yes. uh, couple interviews in the last few episodes yes, and some sweet. single topic Patreon uh, episodes too. Today we're doing our kind of classic. Had a boy Bay a Logan. We got a bunch of questions, kind of AMA, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we had Bay Logan. He always kills it on the Kung Fu Genius podcast. That uh, he does. Those episodes are always easy because I could be like, "Hey, Bay, do you have a Bruce Lee story?" And then I can just be quiet, <laughs> yeah. and then he he'll, he'll talk for the the next half hours, which is awesome, right? right? Uh, unlike these episodes where I have to be charming and informative, uh, even when I'm, I don't know if anyone can hear, I'm a little, I'm a little run down for a little bit of a, got a little bit of a flu, got from my youngest, oh, you man. know, these kids go to school and they, they pick up everything and then they come and they're like, daddy, I love you and spit right they're in your mouth. Cold catchers. Yeah. They just and keep so, them. So they are like these incubators of germs and they, they bring these things home. So it's always a little bit of a struggle when germ you keepers. To, when you have to teach and, uh, hmm. you know, uh, represents power and energy to your students and uh, <laughs> you feel a bit, a bit grinded down by, yeah. uh, by, by schoolyard germs. So, uh, yeah, so here we are. Just a reminder that if you want to support the Kung Fu Genius podcast, the best way is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius for as little as $5 a month. You can get access to episodes early, uh, all sorts of other little goodies, Instagram subscriber reels. There are higher levels of support where you get other things like the baller level for 25 bucks. You get your name in the uh, description and uh, you also get things like uh, English translations of mm. the Yip Man interviews and things like that. Nice. Uh, the the um, I think the closed door student level or whatever uh, you can get your own private episode with the KFG. And uh, yeah, so we got a lot of uh, different tiers there. It's the best way to support us. Uh, we do have one other little way to support us too, because uh as we made the announcement a few months ago, all of the uh, Ask Me Anything episodes, uh, the questions will come exclusively from our Patreons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so we used to just take questions from YouTube, uh, but some of the YouTube oh, questions yeah. were... Hot mess. <laughs> they were hot mess, or, or they just or would just kind of be the same thing over and over again. Uh, so we decided to uh, make that, you know, exclusive for our Patreons. Of mm. course, our YouTube guys can or could uh, suggest... Uh, Topics. However, we now have another way for people to support us. If you do not want to support us on Patreon, you can support us here on YouTube directly. Uh, we have uh, memberships now. Live and direct, um, yes. At the time of this recording, uh, have, um, we have one tier only of, uh, of ways you can support us. So also for about, five, I think it's four ninety nine for $5 a month, uh, you become a member. You get a little special badge. And uh, any of the comments you write that you want us to talk about on an ask me anything episode uh we will do those provided it's a relevant Sweet. topic all right you can't become Sweet a member deal. and then ask me my hot takes on um i don't know spanish horror films of the 1970s right it has to be uh has to be kung fu related <laughs> wing chun bruce lee hong kong that kind there of we stuff go. there we so, go so uh so there is can't a way now cabbage. for people for people here on youtube to support us through those memberships and that uh 
that link if you're here watching us on YouTube. There's a little join button. Uh, you can you can see that there. And then also we got the KFG swag shop. So we have all sorts Ooh, of cool things. Yes. Uh, KFG shirts, beanies, mugs, all sorts of stuff. And we're gonna add Holla. some more designs and uh, including some maybe some Dre and Mikey designs as uh -oh. well. Uh oh. So uh, yeah. So those Ooh. are also tagged in these episodes here on YouTube as well. Mm. So lots of ways you can support your favorite. You Kung know what Fu I hear podcast. that yeah. if you go to Panama Canal. The best port that's over there. Hear about that port? No. Suport. Suport. The oh, best. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the that best. is the best. You got you to gotta visit yeah. that port. Yeah. Well, that's the you best know, one down there. You know, the best of all the nations. <laughs> oh, yes. The donation. The donation. Rhythm Nation. Is your mic on? Yeah. Rhythm Nation's sound, okay. You sound like a it's there. quiet it's okay. we, you know, mouse. You, you, his, his people have had enough to say over the years. <laughs> this is, this right. is, we have enough, so much enough more. Giving them, <laughs> giving them an, Colonizing everything, bro. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so here Colin we are. Uh, it is time to answer some, uh, some questions from mm -hmm. our Patreon. So oh, what you got that. for me today, Drew? I think I have uh, a few, quite a few. Yes. And, and when I say few, I mean more than a few. Let's right. go with... Uh, John Rubio. John Rubio. Awesome. Oh, yeah. John Rubio uh, joined us on our Ultimate Hong Kong tour last year, uh, oh, which, uh, I didn't which get by the to way, meet him. Uh, we are, uh, the tour is open for 2024. We got dates in August, and the link is below. I usually uh, pin it on the uh, YouTube video, but it's also What's in up? the description if you're watching us or listening to us anywhere. Yeah, uh, come. I'm uh, already it is, booked, it baby. It is the best tour you'll ever go on uh, in, in Hong Kong. You can ask anyone who's been on it. And uh, yeah, so John Rubio, yeah, John one of our Rubio, patrons, yeah. a couple questions. Uh -huh. All right. Did Bruce Lee's perspective of Wing Chun change as he progressed through the system in his later years? Question one. Mm -hmm. Wing Chun and other <clears throat> Southern Gung Fu, a part of political movement, their same origin as triads. This is in. Yeah, I get the question, Dre. Just read Parenthesis. <laughs> Parenthesis. Was Red... Like Mikey up in here. Was Red Boat Troops involved with triads since they both were anti-Ching? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's go he to went the... Gangster. Uh, let's go to the first question. And then we can gangster. get all into Chinese gangsters and stuff. It's another topic I'm very fond of talking about. Uh, I wish these guys would give me more triad and gangster questions. Uh, Excuse so, me. Uh, in terms of the first question, did Bruce Lee's uh, perspective on Wing Chun uh, change as he went through the system? Well, I mean, again, we're always faced with these questions about uh, what was the thought process of a person whom you never met and is also not you? All right. We are uh, we are pretty unreliable narrators, even in our own motivations. Oh, man. Right. When you when you think about why you did certain things or what what was the catalyst for you to change something? Sometimes those things are clear. You have your you know, your coming to Jesus moment. You have your aha revelation. Right. Yeah, your aha that moment. every day. And then, you know, OK, this is the reason why I changed my perspective on this. But so many things in life about, you know, why we decided to go a certain way or go another way, these, the processes involved in those decisions are beyond our ability to even understand. So you can't even do it reliably for yourself, let alone for someone else. Now, uh, the question <clears throat> is, is a little interesting because it says, how did his perspective change as he went through the system? Well, 
to be fair, uh, Bruce only learned Wing Chun for about a year and a half or two years. So are we talking about how did his perspective change when he went through those two years of training? Well, uh, pretty much the same as anyone else who goes from not knowing something to knowing something. Uh, there was probably the greatest jump in his uh, perspective change when he started as a beginner who didn't know any Wing Chun and then started learning Wing Chun. Um, but I assume that the question is more about over his time, like oh, yeah. from, from learning Wing Chun until his untimely uh, demise in 1973. So um, I don't know because he wasn't going through the system in the rest of his life. He, he learned Wing Chun for a limited amount of time. He came to the States. He took what he knew, what, you know, the, the little amount of Wing Chun that he had, and he uh, refined it, expanded it, um, and built on that foundation. Um, <clears throat> what, what Bruce Lee came up Pretty with, cool. what ultimately became Chen Fan Kung Fu, or later Chit Kun Do, uh, is not, is in many respects not the logical progression of someone who goes through Wing Chun. Uh, in some philosophical aspects, perhaps, but in a technical aspect, no. So, um, for sure, Bruce's perspective on Wing Chun changed based on his development and understanding, but that wasn't his development and understanding of martial arts through continuing Wing Chun. Oh, yes. That was his development and understanding of martial arts through developing himself in another path, right? So, it's, uh, it's not a Wing Chun-based development, which... It's not a value judgment. I'm not saying it's bad or, or good. It's just the, the letter of the question is a little interesting because it's how did his perspective change as he went through the system? Well, he did not really go through the system. He learned it for a short time, and then he went and basically developed his own thing. So I don't know. There are, um, you know, there are many people who talk about <clears throat> Bruce gradually uh, moving away from Wing Chun at the, you know, towards the end of his uh, of his life, which would be kind of the, the late period JKD stuff. And there are very, very strong arguments on that side. There are also very strong arguments that he did not abandon Wing Chun and he maintained it more or less for himself. It was his little, it was his uh, ace up his sleeve just in case he needed something. As Dan Santo said, whenever Bruce was serious about a fight, he would always rely on his Wing Chun, all right? So I, the idea that Bruce would give it up uh, the, the thing that came most naturally to him is yeah. uh, seems to be a little bit of a hard sell. Been in punch and Whether he ass. was giving it up on teaching it to his students, that's a different story. People often conflate the two. Bruce may have uh, told his instructors, <clears throat> you know, to kind of maybe not teach that or not emphasize that, or he may have moved away from it. Is but this what, perhaps because he didn't want yet man to find out he was teaching Western? No, if we're talking about late. No, if we're talking about late stage Jeet Kune Do. It's like late stage capitalism. If we're talking about late stage <laughs> Jeet Kune Do, uh, the cat is out of the bag. Yip Man already knows about this. I don't, I don't think. No, we're talking really like the last couple of years of his life. Got it. Uh, people often conflate that Bruce may have given it up in teaching or he may have started to prune parts of it off of the curriculum. But that doesn't mean that in his own expression of martial arts, in his own skill set, in his own, as James DeMille, Bruce Lee's third student, would say, Bruce Lee's toolbox that he gave that up. So people always conflate the two. It's pretty clear that what Bruce Lee was teaching and what he himself did or where <laughs> he was on his own path were not always the same thing. But people always discuss these two things as if they are, in fact, one and the same. Interesting. And, and I, I don't believe they are. I believe that 
there was, you know, Bruce slowly giving up on the idea of um, having a style or a system, which he, he created a style of no style, but then still certified people in this style of no style, which created a philosophical quandary. Is it an open system or a closed system? Uh, and then uh, gradually at the end, not wanting to own that anymore, um, you know, he, he kind of created his own problem. With creating a style of no style. So, say that the stuff he did in the movies versus the stuff he taught his students versus the stuff he, he did, did himself. Yeah, this could be considered three different styles three of different Jeet Kendo. Yeah, Jeet Kendo people are are very fond of uh, talking about functional JKD. That is what's taught in most Jeet Kendo. Well, that's schools. what we all love, right? The and functional then, stuff. Uh, theatrical JKD, which is what Bruce did in his films. But I think that you, you have to add a third category, and that's what he was doing himself. Um, which, <laughs> yeah. uh, what he, what he idea internalized. Is, the idea, of course, of his Jeet Kune Do is not to just imitate Bruce Lee, but it's very clear that even, I think, what some of his highest guys were doing is not exactly the same as what Bruce Lee was doing. Um, I, uh, you know, have had great conversations with Jeet Kune Do instructors on this very podcast, uh, Vincent Benitez, um, I've been on Dwight Woods' podcast many times. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I sometimes get asked, why didn't I do Jeet Kune Do and so on and so forth? Um, but I think I'm of the opinion... Uh, I never get asked that. That, that Jeet Kune Do uh, died in July of 1973. Um, I believe that uh, from a philosophical perspective, <coughs> from Bruce Lee's own written notes, um, I think it's very difficult to say I teach Jeet Kune Do. I don't think it's difficult for anyone to say that, given what the founder said about the name, wanting it to be banished. If people were to fight over it, then just do away with it altogether. He literally wrote that down. That's like, <clears throat> that's like those parts in the Bible where Jesus says, like, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And people, uh -huh. people tend to go, oh, no, 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 let's, let's read this thing over yeah. here, right? Or like, Jesus, That's what we Jesus need to play. is destroying fig trees because uh -huh. when they didn't grow figs, even though it was out of season, right? Uh, uh, you know, just like just asinine behavior. People, <laughs> people tend to skip over those oh, things, yeah. right? Well, I have a feeling like in, in the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, mm -hmm. when it comes to uh, Bruce Lee saying like, uh, you know, let the name basically be eradicated if people are going to fight over it. It's just a name. Uh, you know, don't make it a crystallization, so on and so forth. Uh, that's the part that whether you're an original JKD guy or a JKD Concepts guy, oh, they people seem to ignore that yeah. part because that's Kim kind of saying, um, as I see it, Jeet Kune Do is his baby and no one else can really do it. As he said, it, Jeet Kune Do <clears throat> is the name he gave to his own, to, to his own ignorance. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's his own process. So to call it a style <clears throat> is against the wishes of the founder. Mm. But no one seems to give a shit about that. They love and honor Bruce Lee in every other way. But when the man clearly said, clearly. do not use this name, clearly. especially when I'm gone, yeah. everyone just goes, <laughs> nah. Ooh, oh, but what about the straight lead? All right. Nah. You, you know, so, so th th there's a problem with that, right? Um, but I don't want to get too off topic here. No. I don't know what Bruce's ideas of Wing Chun, how they changed. Um, you can speculate. They, I, I know from, from discussing things with, with some of his students, for example, Steve Golden, <laughs> that he created almost like an anti chi sao, knowing exactly where the, um, and this is using Jeet Kune Do kind of framework. This is, you know, the problem is like when I discuss Wing Chun, 
uh, and a Jeet Kune Do person hears it, um, and I, I, I've taught many JKD people. I've, uh, I, I'm, I currently have a private student who's a JKD practitioner, so yeah. I'm used to what JKD people think Wing Chun is because I've taught many, many JKD people over the course of my 20-something years teaching, including yourself. Oh, man. So <clears throat> I know what those guys come to me thinking Wing Chun is. Oh, right? yeah. And so the problem is, so what I'm, I'm using a JKD kind of framework here. This is not how I look at Wing Chun at all, all right? Mm. Um, but thinking of uh, Wing Chun, things like Pak Sao, uh, Pak Sao Punch, Pak Sao Backfist, Lap Sao Punch, as entries, Okay, and um, and then of course, if your opponent uh, tries to block these entries in certain ways, you you have your little counter movements, which is what they call chi sao, right? Um, <laughs> nice. And so, from what I understand, especially from some discussions with people like Steve Golden, is that when when Bruce Lee, or perhaps this is to be fair, Steve Golden's understanding of what he learned from Bruce Lee, um, you know, you would see a line where you would normally do like a Paxel punch. Um, well, with a massive amount of speed, you could mm. slip that same punch in there without the need to have a Paxel. But it would go on, on the same line. And then kind of assuming the person's Wing Chun response, maybe, to, and I mean Wing Chun in air quotes, to block, like if you came in with a straight punch through an opening, and then mm. they would try to parry or block that to the side, instead of doing the Bong Sao Lap Sao Back Fist, you just fire another punch over the top, filling in the same gaps that the Wing Chun techniques would kind of control and trap, but doing it with very fast hits, all right? Which reminds me a lot of basic Wing Chun. Um, <clears throat> so uh, there could be an idea of creating kind of almost a contactless idea of Chi Sao, um, but uh, that's still just a speculation, all right? Based on something I heard someone who is telling me what he thinks Bruce Lee thought. All right. So um, I, I don't think, yeah. I think that that's just another one of those questions that, you know, you, you cannot and truly really, know. You cannot, Kunch, no, not you truly cannot know. Truly. And, and, and like I said, even if you had Bruce Lee here, um, I, it, some, sometimes we, we can't even answer these questions for ourselves. Like, what is your motivation? Why did you do this? Uh, the, the, the factors that make us, you know, that, that contribute to our decisions. Uh, did you eat or not? Uh, what happened a minute ago? Um, what happened to you last week? All of these things happened will factor into why you make a certain decision. And if any of those things were different, you would make a different decision. And you're not necessarily aware of that, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, uh, the second question, can you just reread it for me? Real quick? Second sure question coming right up. So what if you could transport back in time for a front row seat into the life and legacy of one of the most respected Wing Chun masters in history? Gong Sao Wang, a tribute, directs students on Sifu Wang Shun offers you just that. Through a series of exclusive conversations, 25 direct students share anecdotes, reflections, and personal stories offering in-depth understanding of the man behind the legend. Order your copy today across 12 Amazon marketplaces with free shipping. I absolutely love this book, and I think you'll find it an indispensable part of your collection. I can't recommend it enough. Get yours today. Go to Amazon, type in Gong Sao Wong, and there you go. Wing Chun and other Southern Gung Fu, a part of political movement? Share same origin as triads. Was Red Boat Troops involved troops. with troops involved with triads since they both were anti-Ching. 
Uh, okay, so now we uh, we dive a little bit into wow. uh, history, all right? Mm. Which is another steaming plate of hot story? garbage. Uh, his story it should be her story, right? Yeah, okay. Her story. So, uh, uh, Mother China, it's her story. <laughs> um, so again, the problem is that uh, you know, a lot of this stuff is rooted in myth and speculation and blah 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 blah. Uh, as it always needs to be reiterated, uh, I'm not a historian. And neither is your Sifu. Okay. So uh, uh, yes. the, the, wow. the uh, hi- historical methods, the methodology of history is a, uh, it is an academic study. And people who just say, oh, well, the history of so-and-so is, uh, or this style is blah, 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 blah. And they're just repeating what they read out of a book or they're repeating what their Sifu told them does not mean they know anything about the actual history. All right. Because... Um, when it comes to verifying, okay, are these facts or statements true? Uh, you need to have evidence. Uh, you need to have strong evidence. The stronger the claim is, the stronger the, the evidence, evidence must needs be. to be, right? Wow. And you need to have, if possible, <clears throat> multiple corroborating streams, okay? So you have the, the, a certain fact, and this fact is corroborated by, you know, one source, okay, but two or three sources, we're getting stronger now, right? And with a lot of Chinese Kung Fu martial art, like a lot of Chinese Kung Fu history, um, you barely get the one source that could substantiate it because um, a telltale sign that uh, something is not history or it's not actually history um, is that it reads like a story. Mm -hmm. So when you hear something like um, the five elders of Shaolin escaped the burning temple you know, there was a traitor and they escaped in the middle <laughs> yeah. of the night and these yeah. underground tunnels. And then they went on to found these five styles and blah, 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 blah. Uh, that reads a little bit like a fairy tale. And that is a huge red flag that the story is not necessarily partially fictional, but it's a whole cloth mm. fabrication because there is no, <clears throat> there's no actual history of anything. Uh, that reads like a fairy tale. Uh, so so th- that means that it's it's a fictionalized version, maybe of semi-real accounts, but most likely not. So the moment it comes off, you know, Yim Wing Chun is, you know, betrothed to Leung Bok Chow, but then this bandit comes in and finds her so beautiful and wants to marry her, <laughs> but then the nun sees her and takes pity on her and says, if he can beat you in one year's time, oh, yeah. then he can marry. I mean, come on. All right, this this is this is some fairy tale bullshit right here. Okay, the story doesn't make any sense. Why would some uh, you know bandit who came into town saw Yim Wing Chun wants to marry her because she's so beautiful? Yeah. Listen to some nun say, "No, come back in a year's time, and if you can beat her in a fight, then you can marry her." And be like, "Okay, <laughs> come on, come on, we're adults here. Let's." All right. And if people go, no, well, actually, the story was human. No, actually, it's a fake story, and you're just telling another version of it. All right. So the Yim Wing Chun story reads like awful, like an awful fairy tale. And, and, um, <laughs> Man. It, but it doesn't make sense. Um, it, it, it just because it, it reads as some kind of narrative fiction. And that is a very, very strong red flag that it is not actual history. So <clears throat> to come to, the question here, which is, uh, do the uh, do these kung fu styles have the same origin as these triads? This is where things get a little muddy. All right, because uh, the original 
triads. And do you know why? Do you know why they're called a triad? Because they don't really use this term in Chinese. They sometimes say samhapui, but uh, they would normally call it a hakseiwui, a black society, um, it, because these are now criminal enterprises. Uh, most likely, the term black society hakseiwui is a much more modern. Uh, name for those societies perhaps in the old olden days uh they were more generally referred to as samhapui or three harmony societies and that's where uh-huh. three harmony where they try triad oh because these societies originally were trying to harmonize heaven <laughs> man and earth okay those were the three things like a good good thing yes and yeah. and they're just misunderstood. According to mm, writings, if you read uh, Gustav Schlegel from the 1900s, um, these societies were originally anti-Qing mm, groups, okay? So in uh, uh, around six, 1644, I think it was, the, uh, the Qing Not that long government... Uh, in, in, in the passage of, of human history, it's, 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 it's nothing, all right. Um, in right. Uh, in in comparison to this podcast, it's an eternity. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the uh, in 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 sixteen forty four, the the Qing the the Qing government or the Qing dynasty overtook the Ming dynasty. Right. Um, the the Ming dynasty was the uh, the last full blooded Chinese uh, dynasty. Now China has had a long history of being ungovernable. Um, when you look at, like, you go back even into the, the time of Confucius and uh, Lao Tzu, Taoism, this, these were created during the Warring States period, hmm. where um, the problem China had, among others, was uh, two things. The emperor had a so-called mandate of heaven, meaning that the reason why the emperor is the emperor is because heaven or God put him there. Therefore, if... Uh, the people have good harvests, there's good weather, there are no catastrophes. That means that heaven favorably or, or looks upon the current emperor favorably. But if there's famine, if there's disaster, if there's a loss of crops, that means that heaven is unhappy with the emperor. So by, by this ir- irrational belief, superstitious <laughs> belief, it meant that the whoever was emperor was at the whim of the weather, uh-huh. was at the whim of natural <laughs> catastrophes. Oh, you see what I mean? So, so, uh, so again, religiosity and superstition plays part in, in stupidity, all right? So you have... Uh, Could you imagine if he was in Seattle? <laughs> yeah, exactly, emperor. right? And they would be bla- yeah. <laughs> every year they would be blaming the emperor, the Seattle emperor, yeah. for nine months of rain, all right? <laughs> Like, come on, man. Yeah, I, I had a, Give me a, a, break. a very good friend of mine from <laughs> Seattle. Uh, you know, he, he, he grew up there. And most people who grew up in Seattle, they defend it to the death. But people like me who are transplants, we grew up on the East Coast. Yeah. Then we went to Seattle. We look around and we go, this is the <laughs> Twilight Zone. And then we get out, right? <laughs> yeah. But people who grew up there, when you mention it to them, there's something called the Seattle Freeze. And you can Google it, all right? You can Google the Seattle Freeze. And it's a social... It's, it's a weird social norm in Seattle about how kind of how cold and culty and uh, uh, I guess glitchy or, or like clicky everyone over there is. But when you mention it to people who grew up there, 
Um, it's it's like an M Night Shyamalan movie. They're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> um, like they, they don't see it, and you're like, "Yeah, this is really a TV show. Don't you see the cameras?" Yeah. Right? Um, but when when you visit there and you live there for a few years, you go, "Oh, this place is really really weird, right?" Um, and is there a so reality anyway, show about Seattle? People? I don't know. I, should you, be. I would never watch it. You would just should be. I, I think it is. It's called. It's the movie The Ring. Um, and, uh, <laughs> oh God! And damn. so if. Uh, uh, you know, I, but I have some good friends from my time in Seattle. And yeah. when I left Seattle, I, I remember I said something like, oh, man, I'm so happy to move back to the East Coast. At least it doesn't rain nine months out of the year. And then one of my Seattle friends was very quick to say, like, actually, New York gets more annual rainfall than Seattle, which is true. Because, as you know, here we get like crazy yeah. heavy rainstorms. We get the booms. But Seattle is like Chinese water torture. <laughs> it doesn't rain like the crazy monsoon drizzling. rains we get here. Like, because our rains will be powerful, wow. but then it, it's a day. And uh -huh. then it, it doesn't rain for days and days and days and days and days, right? But Seattle, for nine months out of the year, it's gray. And it's like this drip drizzle that doesn't stop. It's like it's like it's like you're strapped to a table, and there's just a drop just of water, misty, that every ten yeah. seconds lands on oh, the same spot. It's basically, like living in England. Yes, yes. You know, it's not. It's not raining. It's a bracing dampness in the air. Yeah, exactly. Right, and wow. uh, you really can get um, SAD, uh, seasonal affective disorder, over there. It's it's. SAD. Yeah, it's cool. wow. yeah. If, if it's it's sad, it's, it's rush. It, it sounds it's, it's, sad. it's awful. It's 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 terrible, man. It's really terrible. So anyway, um, yeah. So if there was a Chinese emperor in Seattle, <laughs> they would they would, you know, they they, would they, get they, his ass out. Yeah, they they, they would hang no, him. No, we for need the to get months, him right? out of here. So so anyway, so you you know one of the reasons why China was so ungovernable is because you had this belief in a mandate of heaven. So mm. um, that's why you know uh, an emperor could have a good couple of years by luck, and then you know the weather changes. There's a flood in the Yellow River, and then forget it's it. Because of him, all right? Exactly. Yeah. So you have that problem. Mm. The other problem was China's immense size. Where uh, China, you know, think about governing a country the size of China in a pre-modern communications era, uh, you would see just how difficult it would be. Just you land, have, land, you, land, you land, land. Headquarter somewhere, let's say in the north, let's say your headquarters was in Beijing. Yeah. How are you really going to control people in the south? Right. So then it, it became like a bunch of states, um, a, a very feudal system. But of course, all of these <coughs> You know, Sub-states are going to be vying for their own power. So China always had power struggles and problems. So the idea that during the, the Qing dynasty, when the, uh, the Hongmun was founded, which were these anti-Qing rebels, that this somehow represented the first time that there was insurrection among the ranks of, of the Chinese against the government. Oh, yeah. Just because it was the, they were non-Chinese, they were, they were the Qings. Um, is also not true. I mean, China has has had it's a constant repeat of the same story, right? Uh, and and the reason why the Qing Dynasty was able to even come into power is because the previous dynasty, the the Ming, was falling apart like all these other dynasties at the end. Cheap it was suit. rampant corruption. They were weak. Um, they were opulent, and the Qing had had their moment, and they came in and they took over, right? So. Um, so this is not something specific to this time period. It's just that um, during the Qing dynasty, uh, it was especially repugnant to Chinese because it was the first time since the time of the Mongols mm -hmm. that they were ruled by people who are not ethnically Chinese.
So China was being run by people who are not actually Chinese. And of course, as I mentioned before, the, the Qing government was very brutal in certain ways. They forced all Chinese men to cut their hair in that Qing dynasty yeah. hairstyle, which meant they had to shave the front of their head. So they had the braid in the back, which uh, in the previous dynasty, the Ming dynasty, uh, the Chinese men would have had their hair in a braid, but they would have, it would just be back from the front, like, you know, pulled all the way back into a long braid. And you never cut your braid because it was a sign of your long life. To cut your braid was to cut your life. Um, so the, the Qing, they did not, um, they did not make you cut off your braid, but they made you shave the front part of your hair. And that mandate was only for the men. Uh, they had a, a, a specific type of hair, uh, style for women, but they did not mandate that Chinese women had to have that hairstyle. They only did it to the men to subjugate them. And if you did not shave the front of your head every three days, you could go to jail. And if you refused to do it, you could also be executed. So um, that hairstyle you see was actually a, it was a sign of oppression. I remember uh, you know, reason number 4006, why I got off Twitter many, many years ago. Oh, goodness. I once wrote about <coughs> the me. oppressiveness of the Qings on the Han Chinese. And someone, of course, with an anonymous account, like, did, did the Twitter equivalent of like screaming at me, you know, uh, telling me how wrong I was uh, that the Qing dynasty, it was kind of, did you ever see that episode of Family Guy where they, um, Stewie and Brian were touring Germany and <clears throat> they had a, they had a uh, history book. I, I have to see this. And it said something like, uh, oh, how come the history book doesn't say anything about Germany from 1939 until 1945? And then the German guy said, Nothing happened. Everything was good. Tea was served. And then, like, you know, and, and it was like, we're just going to gloss over this, right? It was, it was the equivalent of something like, no, it was great. Everyone was happy. The uh, Qing's actually did a lot of really great positive things for the Chinese. And it made me wonder, you know, maybe I was wrong. You know what I mean? Ooh. Because, you know, sometimes Ooh. people chirp shit out on social media and maybe the way they did it wasn't good, but maybe... I was like, you know, I, I've had this kind of take. Maybe my take was um, influenced by watching a lot of Kung Fu movies, which I always hate the Qing dynasty, right? So maybe I right. was wrong. So, uh, you know, what did the Kung Fu genius do? I, I went and I bought three history books on the Qing dynasty. Mm. Three different histories, all right? Uh, one academic, um, one was like an author who writes about general dynasties in China, and actually, two of them were academic journals. One of them was like just a book written by someone who studied the subject. <clears throat> and yeah, yeah, no, no, it was fucking horrific for the Chinese people. <laughs> Jesus Christ! But the fact that this person, like, it, and it was so weird because I never once seen someone defend the Qings and what they did to the Chinese, killing them yeah. and subjugating them. Wow! And for me to say that, it was like. Uh, I, I was like an evil person for saying that, right? Huh. So, um, yeah, it's like another reason why I, I just do not miss Twitter at all, right? Oh, man. Because if someone had an actual point and they said, well, you know, actually, it's a little bit of a myth that the Qings were so brutal on the Chinese and da 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 here are my points. Okay, fine, I would listen to that. But it was like this, like, stigmatizing me as if I somehow said it was okay to, um, y y you know, to, to uh, try to impregnate small amphibians or something like that. Uh, I, I mean, it, it was like, like 
the, okay. the level, like the level of outrage of me saying what's more or less a, a non-controversial statement. Okay, the Nazis were bad. How dare you, right? Yeah. Qing Dynasty, like they weren't very nice in China. How dare you say that about my beloved Qing? Right? Oh man. Uh, so I mean, it's not like people who are of Manchu uh, uh, ancestry are bad people. Shit, I am half German. Okay. Okay. But we're talking about what was happening then at that time. All right. But Jesus Christ, man, social media. Anyway, Ouch. but I digest. So um, You still call it Twitter, I noticed. No one yeah, calls it X. Everyone no. still calls it Twitter. Yeah. I don't get so it. Didn't Facebook also want to rename it to Meta and yeah. that didn't stick? Yeah, that the didn't only stick people either. that call it Meta are the people that work at Meta. And even then, <laughs> all of my friends that work at Meta still call it Facebook. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, they're just, wow. It's, it's kind of like, you know, yeah. how they try to rename Hell's Kitchen to Chelsea. <laughs> no, no, not Chelsea. Uh, uh, Clinton. Uh, Clinton. 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 Yeah, it was oh. a Chelsea Clinton. I always get those. Or, right. you know, or like uh, South of Harlem, Soha. Soha. So so. Like, it sounds like a Busta Rhyme song. <laughs> Soha. So Got you all in check. Uh, Jesus, man. No way. Get out of here, man. Who would do who would, Soha? Oh, yeah. Clinton? <laughs> I remember when saying. I lived in Hell's Kitchen. I would I'd be damned if I told anyone I live in Clinton. Can you uh, imagine? Hey, I was just Xing something, and in, 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 yeah, yeah, I just sent out an X. Yeah, no one, no one will ever. No one's say caught that. on to that. No one will ever say that. Oh. So, uh, so anyway, um, so during during the Qing Dynasty, especially during the late Qing Dynasty, these uh, these groups were starting to form, uh, mostly in the south. Why in the south? Because they were geographically far from the north. Again, oh yeah, the problem of uh, it being so difficult to control. From the, China. From the tower. Um, yeah, because they're very far from, you know, the evil eye of Sauron. <laughs> okay. Right? So the, the, the eye cannot reach it, reach the south, right? Damn. So the original group, or at least the one that's most prominent, there probably were other ones, is the Hong Moon. Hong is the name like Hong, like Samo Hong is actually the same name. Um, the reason Hong. why they, and, and Moon means door or gate. And so they were like the Hong door, the Hung door. Uh, and uh, the reason why they used, like a moon gate. Yeah, the reason why they used the name Hong is because that was the name of the first Ming emperor. So uh, the previous dynasty, which they, you know, everyone has like a, you know, um, uh, sugar coated glasses when they look at the previous dynasty because the Ming dynasty was also very corrupt as well. Um, but the first Ming emperor was Hong. The the people in the Qing wanted to restore the Ming, so then that's why they use Hong. Hence. Certain Kung Fu styles, Hong Ga. All right, later, okay, this is like the, it's supposedly designed by Hong Heikun or whatever, but act, it, it's most likely a reference to the um, appeal to restore the previous dynasty. So hence they use the name Hong. So the Hong Moon were the original group, the original three harmony society that were trying to fight against the, the, the so called Qing. And, uh, they would, uh, th these groups would have little militias and these groups would do espionage, spying, you know, on the government, sabotage, all this kind of stuff, Sweet. right? And um, in order to recruit more members, they, it kind of became a little bit like, almost like the, the, the Freemasons, which is interesting now because the Hong Moon still exists, but they are actually linked together with Freemasons. So now you can go down to Chinatown here in, uh, uh, here in Manhattan, and there's a Hong Moon Lodge on, uh, I think it's at the end of Mott Street. And you look up there, it's the Hong Moon, it's in red. Yeah. And uh, which, by the way, Hong, the, fam the name, 
uh, sounds exactly the same. Like the color red is also Hong. They're pronounced identically, even though it's two different Chinese characters, wow. which is like well, the reason why the red color is used a lot too, because uh, they, uh. they sound the same in Chinese. But you can see the Hong Moon Lodge uh, on the end of Moss Street. They have it there. And these are like the original group that spawned all the triads. We should go check that out. And when you look at it, there's the all-seeing eye the Freemasons. Mason. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so they are basically Chinese Freemasons. Yeah. So, so at some point, the two groups merge. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you would go in there thinking you're going to get the secrets of the universe. It's just a bunch of old Chinese men playing mahjong or whatever. Right? Uh, uh, this is not, you know, you're, yes. the, the grand lodge wizard or whatever. Who These guys do not have there any secrets is. of anything. Yeah, right? that's, just chill. Um, that's the secret. So just the, the Hong Moon societies, they created... Um, a bit of a mythology about their origins. Mm -hmm. And this mythology starts at the Shaolin Temple. And so they believe that the, they have, at that time, they had five different lodges of the Hong Moon Society, and that's where the five elders came from. And so if you read, um, which I highly recommend, if you read Gustav Schlegel, G-U-S-T-A-V, Schlegel, I think, is S-C-H-L-E-E. GL. Okay. Schlegel. Schlegel. Uh, and Schlegel you, you my can, ego. Yeah, Schlegel my ego. Uh, you can um you can get his uh his his book on the home the home moon uh it, as a PDF for free on you can just Google it. I mean it's it's in public domain. It's it's like it's written in the eighteen hundreds. Oh and in sweet. there you can read the Shaolin story, the origin story, the five elders, the burning, the rituals, all that stuff. Because uh, Schlegel was a sinologist, someone who studies Chinese culture, from uh, Holland in the 1800s, went to China. <clears throat> you have to imagine, this dude could like speak Chinese, read Chinese, he was a European at that time. And uh, they had arrested a number of uh, Hong Moon members, and they got a hold of their histories and papers and books on nice. rituals. And, and that was there. And Gl Gustav Schlegel translated it. Oh, Okay. So uh, what these guys at that time were doing is they were forming societies. These were really gangs. And their keep idea gangster, was to, keep to overthrow the Qing government, Fan Cheng, Fuk Ming, uh, to uh, overthrow the Qing and restore the Ming, all right? Mm. Uh, which is another reason why, you know, the famous kind of uh, hand gesture that people give when they bow uh, in, in Chinese culture, there's, there's, you know, there's a very benign version of it where you just put your hand over the fist this way here, which is to symbolize a you know, fist, you know, the right hand symbolizes strength and aggression, and the the open hand is um, a slapping hand. Is, is, no, is, is uh, <laughs> education. It's a book. It's ah, paper, and, and the paper. idea that you know you are rock paper scissors. You, you are um, you are using education and manners and learning to overcome oh. the brute brutishness of the fist. Right. This is a one way. Well, there. By the way, there are other alternate takes on what that means, but there are versions of this where the hand is facing forward. And this here is a symbol for the triads. Because uh. this here is the Chinese character for Ming, the fist being the sun <laughs> and the open hand being the moon. The Chinese character for Ming is the sun and the moon next to each other. Mm. So by using this one here, this was like the secret handshake. Like, okay, you're part of this group. So here. if I just randomly 
use that in some place. You're 200 years too late. Okay, so uh, what about uh, that temple downtown in Chinatown? No, <laughs> doubtful. They'll be like, um, no, what's up with you? They'll be like, what? What are you doing? Here, right? <laughs> what are you doing here? So uh, you know, they, they, the and the triads uh, later, the, the the gangs that sprang from these groups here, they are really big into hand signs and gesture. I, I have a book. Uh, uh, about Hong Kong triads at my house. So I have many books on Hong Kong triads <laughs> at my house. And it shows all We've the different them. signs yeah. that they make. And then you can see in photographs of the in the 1950s and the 1960s, prominent triad members being photographed in the newspaper, holding their hands in these different signs. They almost look like blood and crip signs. And that was them, like, that was a warning to other people of who they belong to, Right. Uh, yeah, so so the whole like hand signs and all this—it was a big, big deal. He big gangster, so y'all. At that time, these these you know home moon societies were developed to fight against the Qing, and of course, over time, it got smuggled in that they're also practicing martial arts, and it's it also goes goes to say that many of the people who are in these anti-government groups hmm. probably also knew martial arts as well, so. Were martial arts developed in these groups, or were the people in these groups martial artists? Um, that I think the problem is the assumption is always uh, that these groups uh, developed these martial arts, and I have a hard time believing that for a couple of things. One, the root of most of the southern martial arts and many of the Hakka systems, of which Wing Chun is one. Um, is White Crane, which is a little bit older than all of this stuff. Uh, second, um, if you are primarily concerned with overthrowing a government, you're not going to do it with punches and kicks. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that, that's the thing yeah, that people like, the heavy did, did you artillery. really think in the 1850s when they, we already have cannons and firepower and heavier weapons, that the move is to train people in chi sao and chain punching? to overcome, I don't know, a government with an army, all right? So that, that, that's the thing that, it, because it sounds nice, right? All no. they're developing yeah. all these styles and whatever, but like, really? Yeah. They, like, their long game was to develop fist-fighting styles or spear and knife styles or pole and knife styles to fight <coughs> the government? Uh, no, they would... They would you know, would be way better off um, taking their knowledge of gunpowder and building bombs and trying to blow up the headquarters, oh, yeah. right? So that <clears throat> that is a little bit of a stretch to say that that's actually what happened. Uh, second, in the early 20th century, when these Pulp Fiction writers started writing novels, Kung Fu novels, um, they appropriated the, tr- uh, the, the Hong Moon stories of the burning of the Shaolin Temple and flip them into martial art origin stories. Mm. So uh, you now have, uh, and it probably was earlier than that, you now have these martial arts styles coming from Shaolin. Now, the history of Shaolin itself as a hub of martial arts um, does exist to a certain degree, but uh, the idea of there being a southern Shaolin temple is a very, very iffy proposition. Uh, if there was a Shaolin temple, it was in the north. So to think that these southern styles were developed in a northern temple uh, where the signature of those northern <coughs> fist-fighting styles is very different from the southern ones, that's a very, very hard claim. Also, those people all came and went to the south. I mean, 
It's it's mm-hmm. what happens is people have the story that they like and they're reverse engineering the facts to fit the narrative. But you can't okay. do that. You can't say because you have these styles in southern China and someone said that it's from Shaolin. Well, if there's no southern Shaolin temple, well, it still came from the north. Because, no, no, no. That's you fudging the narrative to make your story work. That That's not how logic works. That's not how historical claims are verified. So the the ties of the Shaolin Temple, a, a, a sect of Zen Buddhism to martial arts, is a separate thing, which I think has very little, if nothing, to do with the development of Southern martial arts. And this connection has more to do with a reappropriation of these triad stories where they, and, and if you read the Gustav Schlegel's book, you will read the names of the five elders. Oh. Those are the original names. Those are not the names like uh, Chi Sim and Moi and, and oh. Fung Do Ta and those guys. Oh, no. That, so, so what they did is they took these five el- this original five elders story, and to make it work for the martial arts styles, they literally uh. changed the names of the five <clears throat> elders. And the proof is when you read Gustav Schlegel's book, you will see... The original names are not Moy and Tsim and those guys there, Bakme or whatever they were, right? They're completely Lasik Hoy. They're completely different. <laughs> so wow. already there's a discrepancy between this original story and then what's cobbled together by Shaolin fantasists and Kung Fu historians afterwards, right? That discrepancy has not been resolved and, in my opinion, can only be resolved right now as... <clears throat> the fictive literature that came later changed the names of that. Now, the gag is, when I say fictive literature, the original Shaolin story of the Shaolin temple burning and these guys leaving is also a fake story. It's a, it's a propaganda story to recruit more members for the Home Moon Society. It's not a real story. So the joke is, the Shaolin story, as I've said many times on this podcast, that people so dearly believe with everything in their heart because their Sifu said it and their Sifu is a swell guy or they read it in this book and they can read the words, therefore it must be true. Um, the Shaolin myth of the five elders is a plagiarized story of a fake story. Okay? So it... The original so story, I mean, read the, read the original account by Gustav Schlegel, what was written by those guys. They believe when the five elders escaped, you know, they were being hunted down by the Qing government and they came to, they came to a river they couldn't go over. So one dude took off his sandal and prayed to Buddha and it turned into a ship that, or a boat that got them over the river. I mean, this is the original story, okay? All right, we already have miracles, and so the, the only thing missing is the parting of the sea and oh, uh, yeah. and becoming a zombie after three days. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, it is it is absolute nonsense. And then they take from this clearly bullshit story, change the names, copy my homework, but change it a little bit so people don't <laughs> know you copied it. Yeah. And now people die on the hill of Chinese martial arts coming from Shaolin and the Five Elders a plagiarized story of a fake ass story. All right. Just stop with the Shaolin nonsense. All right. Uh, Stop with Moy and the five L and I'll just stop. It's fake. It's fake. All right. So having said all that, if we go to what we do know, the actual home moon societies are fighting the Chings, right? Oh yeah. Uh, They have their little bullshit Shaolin origin story, but that's just for recruiting members. Were, were they ultimately successful in overthrowing the Qing government? No, 
<laughs> no. Uh, the Qing government was overthrown later by the Republic. It, 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 they, they were ultimately unsuccessful. Oh, man. So what happened to these anti-Qing groups hmm. when the Qing government was no longer around? What happens to a group like this when they no longer have an enemy? They go into... They go into gangsterism. They become Gangster. organized crime. All right. Now, it, it, it can be argued quite well that they were always somewhat criminal enterprises because they were going against the government, right? I mean, say what you want about the Chings, but, you know, technically, if they're in charge and you're trying to fight them, that is against the law. Although I don't have any love for the Chings. The only person I know was that person on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Ching oh, yeah. government. Manchu people are fantastic X. people. Our boy Ibrahim is Manchu. All right? Oh, Half Manchu. We love him. All right. When they no longer had a common enemy in the Chings, they mm. splintered into many subgroups and they became organized crime. So the triads of today, uh, whether it's a 14K or a Sun Yon <laughs> or a Wasing Wall, whatever these groups are, um, they trace their lineage back to the, the Hongmun and back to the Shaolin Temple. So the joke is the gangsters who are running heroin trafficking in hong kong oh, who no. are running vice prostitution <laughs> oh, rings oh, human yes. smuggling they also trace their origins to the shaolin temple uh and the, the shaolin lore is part of their origin story just not connected with the kung fu stuff so clearly because of the shaolin connection and the fact that in 1950s and 1960s hong kong there was a lot of gangsterism, and a lot of uh, gangsters practiced various Chinese martial arts, certain styles more than others. Um, it's very easy to see where these connections were come automatically, mm -hmm. right? But it's like you're taking a little piece from here and a piece from here, a piece from here, and your mind is filling in the rest. Right? Mind melding. Yes. And so that's why I think there is a connection there, but it's not, it's not really what you think. The idea that the anti-government... Uh, rebels are, you know, creating cheese out and chain punches to overthrow a government is a little ridiculous. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's what I say about that. Um, next question. So if you're not local to NYC, one of the easiest ways for you to improve your Wing Chun training is to train online with me. Online private training is tailored toward the individual and geared towards serious practitioners who want to improve their skills or knowledge base. I offer two private lesson subscriptions, twice a month and four times a month. Kung Fu Genius listeners use the code KFG online to get one online consultation lesson free with the purchase of any subscription. That code and the links are in the description below. Online private training is a convenient way for you to ask any of the questions you've had about application, form, theory, or even how to teach. Bring a partner to train with you online at absolutely no extra cost. I'll show you how to train with your partner online. Again, use the code KFG online to get a free consultation lesson with the purchase of any online subscription links are in the description below and i'll see you online all right next question we got garrett tansel Garrett tansel yeah Train, training at our ohio branch now. oh yeah yeah sweet the kfg crew's favorite martial art movie one-liners scenes scenes wow Wow, that's difficult because I... Um, I already know mine. Well, since, the, since my teen years, I watch all of these films in their original languages, right? Oh, God. So a lot of people know like uh, oh, the goodness. corny English dubs, and those are <laughs> chock full of crazy lines, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, but if I said, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, um, if, if I said them in Chinese, like what my favorite lines were, uh, <laughs> uh, it would, I, I don't know who, who would appreciate any of those, you know. 
，劝爬少中。Oh yeah， 温爬老浪。All right， that's from、uh, Pedicab Driver with、uh, Sammo <laughs> Hung and Lau Kar Leung. Uh huh. Um, where um Lau Kar Leung, one of the greats,、uh, faces off with uh, uh Sammo Hung. So you have two of the greats of Hong Kong film choreography, Lau Kar Leung and Sammo Hung, facing off for the first time in a fight. And、uh, there's also another great line in there, which I think、uh, Lau Kar Leung says. I remember the English subtitle. It was like, um, a, f- a fatty because he calls Samo fatty.、Uh, your your face hurt my foot. So he kicks him in the face, and he says, "Fatty, your face hurt my foot."、Um, and then、uh, Samo、wow. gets the upper hand in a couple fight exchanges, and then says the Kun Pa Siu Chong, which means in fist fighting you fear the younger fighter. And then,、uh, as the fight progresses, they get the the poles, yeah, and they start、uh, fighting each other with long poles. Oh yeah. And then Lau Kar Leung starts whooping Samo's ass, and then says, you know, Guan Pa Lo Long in in pole fighting, you fear the old wolf. Uh huh. All right, because he was the older one, right? So I always thought that was cool, but that that's not like a, a classic line. I don't really watch a lot of those dubs. Obviously, Enter the Dragon. Bullshit, Mr. Handman. <laughs> All right, classic line. Don't think it's anything better than that. Yes, no.、Uh, you know, bullets, no, no back, finger pointing away to the moon. All、oh, that、yeah. kind of stuff. I like the more generic ones that you know. I haven't watched those those dubbed films、Bullshit. for so long, Mr. Handman.、Um, but you know, they're kind of like the classic tropes of those movies. Like, so yeah, I think your kung fu is pretty good, huh? And、uh, master, you know, like all those kind of like very corny <laughs> right, lines you would hear.、Oh, Don't、man. call me master, right? Um, yeah, and like uh, uh, I heard Chinese. Who is that from? Way the Dragon. Like I heard Chinese boxing lacks any real power. Oh, you only lack power as a beginner.、Mm. Show me, you'll get hurt. All right,、uh, those lines are kind of funny. What What about you? What are your What are your lines? Oh man, the thing is, I'm I'm a Matrix guy. I love the Matrix. It's really like a I've, movie. I guess. I, yeah, I, guess. I mean, all right. You, you, I've seen it more than I've seen any other movie. You gonna say, "Whoa, I know kung fu." <laughs> yeah, no, not that one. No, no. Actually, the、um, the second movie I love a lot too. The、okay. second <laughs> Matrix was Matrix、um, Reloaded. Reloaded. Yeah,、uh-huh. Reloaded. And no, I thought it was called Matrix Part Two. Part Two.、No, that's Hot Shots Part Two.、Yeah. <laughs> so, of course, the the fight scenes I loved a lot and. They had a fight scene in like where you know when、um, Neo stops the sword coming at his hand, but that led to him having to escape, and he's in the mountains and he has to fly out back to the free, you know the highway or the freeway where they're、uh-huh. fighting and help them, and that fight scene leading up to where Neo saves them is my favorite. Scene, I guess,、nice. where where he's fighting、uh, the agent on top of the tractor trailer,、uh-huh. and the、uh, the keymaker's there watching everything, and he, he、uh, the agent finds himself in another tractor trailer, starts turning it around,、uh-huh. and now they got two trailers、so well. going head on. Oh, I vaguely remember that.、Yeah. And then your man is like、uh, Morpheus, like oh oh, what's happening, Neo. If you're out there, we can use some help.、Right. And then the tractor trailers crash, and you see in slow motion they're crunching and, and compressing into each other. Comes and catches them both in the air and just flies off. Wow! I heard and, the and, new Matrix is awesome. Oh no! No 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 no! The, the, the word <laughs> does begin with an A W, but it's not awesome. It's awful. Oh man!、Oh. Did you see that new Matrix? <laughs> I've seen it. Oh, sorry to hear that. The first, the first third, you're like, yo, this、I、could be、know. good, and then it just. Went into just kind of pastiche and just can... like kind of just it's just just 
regurgitating itself and like relying on on like the the, the nostalgia of the originals. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Allow uh, myself to regurgitate um, myself. I have to see it again, I guess. No, I don't think you have to. Yeah. So is, is, is that, but what are, do you have any lines? That's, the line. That's Neo, the line. We can use your help. Uh, I see, I see. Awesome. <laughs> and he just catches a boom at the All last right. second. All right, what else you got? Uh, question? No, what about this guy, his movie? That's no, okay. I, I see how it is. You uh, know what oh, I mean? yeah, he has to chime in. Yeah. I mean, right. well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's KOG awesome. crew, it's prob- you know? It's probably a month. It's probably that Monty Python skit where you have to learn to defend yourself from from bananas. <laughs> bananas? Yeah. You know, I mean, martial arts movies are such a wide range of things. So there's so yeah. many, but I guess one of my favorites is. Um, Stroker just, Ace. It's <laughs> 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 right when. Um, Right, was it like in Mark for Death? It's like Screwface has two heads and four eyes, and that is the source of his power. And then when when he kills the the, the second twin at the end, he just looks down at the shaft and just goes, "I hope they're not triplets." <laughs> oh no! Oh damn! That was Peak Seagal, right? Yeah, oh, the the peakest. Uh-huh. Hmm. Then what happened to him, man? Yeah, no, what happened to him? Keith David was in that film as well. Oh was wow. That? Keith David, Silver Throat. If you knew Keith him, David, like, Keith, Keith David's David. amazing. Also, it turned out he was this. Um, he was in They Live as well, right? Oh yeah, yeah. They Live. We were watching that last week. Yeah. Nice. They Live. So All good. right. What's the next question? Oh, let's get to Thanks it. Thanks contribution, Mikey. Oh, you're welcome. Steven Seagal, man. <laughs> the best Steven Seagal movie ever. <laughs> next up, we got Anthony Barreto. If Hollywood were to do a kung fu movie right in today's era. What elements must it have and why? Also, how does it relate to the actual practice of Kung Fu? Uh, That's a good question. I mean, you know, as much as I love Kung Fu and Kung Fu films, I I think the time for them is, is, is done for now. I mean, things are cyclical. So, you know, give it another 10 years these oh, things yeah. might kind of seem cool again, right? <laughs> um, you always need a little bit of time. I mean, what are the elements of a good People kung fu movie? I mean, like a proper kung fu movie. Well, Chinese martial arts, obviously. Yeah. Um, usually some kind of training sequence or some kind of <laughs> montage. revenge or a <laughs> montage or something like that. Oh, man. I think, <clears throat> to go back to the Steven Seagal well, I think something like what would work in a modern day as a Kung Fu movie would be something similar to the, uh, the, the storyline of um, hard to kill. You, you take someone who's like a total badass master mm-hmm. and he's got a family. He's, you know, he knows his Kung Fu style lives maybe in the modern day. Mm. And then he's <clears throat> taken out family's killed. He's taken out, but he doesn't die. Mm. You know, when he comes back yeah. and he's got, like, he's got the amnesia, his body's not oh. quite there, but, like, he's got these skills that kind of come back. Uh-huh. And then he, he finally figures out who he is, and he starts building himself up again. You know, from, yeah. like, from hardly being able to walk, and then you see all, like, him on the dummy, and uh. hit, oh, sorry, hit, hitting this and doing this and, you know, training and everything, and then building up, and then he comes back, and he just starts laying everyone to waste, right? <laughs> so I think a kung fu-themed version of Hard to Kill uh. could work in, like, a modern setting. Um, hmm. But the idea of like you know uh, my my Shaolin style must crush your mantis style I don't, I don't know if that's gonna come oh, anytime soon. Those days are over. You know I thought of another great line actually. 
in a showdown in Little Tokyo. Oh, God, here it comes. <laughs> Brandon Lee, like... Yes, yes. <laughs> throws the lighter into the gas tank and goes, you have the right to be dead. Oh, I thought you were going to say it's when he told Dolph Lundgren he's got the biggest dick he's ever seen. <laughs> no, why would it be that one? That has nothing to do with We the, thought that's what, that was your favorite, like kind of favorite line. line. You like. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> in the context of what we're talking about. You, you would hope someone would say that to you someday. <laughs> I say it to myself all the time. <laughs> when you look in the mirror. God damn. This guy. Uh, this guy. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, man. Awesome. Wow. Do you have anything else, or is that our last question for today? I think today? we have one more question. One more question. Oh, yeah, let's, let's not finish on the big dick. <laughs> let's not. Let's stay I'm away. Gonna, gonna let, I'm just going to let that just hang there. I'm going to let you eat the shit on that one. <laughs> Jonathan Martinez. Shout out. What's the earliest age you could start teaching a child Wing Chun? It seems like all the other martial arts are able to start as early as five to eight years old? Wow, that's a good question. Yeah, it's difficult because it depends on the child. Oh, I mean, yeah. If you have a, a very focused and oh, yeah. child that wants to do it, uh, you can teach a kid anything. Yeah. All right? Acrobatics. You can teach all sorts of crazy, difficult things. So it's all the focus, would, yeah. Would not be a problem. The, the issue, it depends on the child. Um, I think in general... Wing Chun is not easy for children to begin with because it's got a lot of fine movements. Uh, at first, some elements of the training could be a little on the slow side. Oh, yeah. Um, with kids like action. But I think that um, you can teach Wing Chun to kids in the form of games. You know, like you can have a little Pak Sao. I'll put my hand up here. Give me a Pak Sao. Oh, my hand's in your way here. Give it a little Jut Sao, right? Mm. Um, you know, like, oh, I hold on to you here. Give me some chain punches, right? Mm -hmm. I'll hold both your arms. Give me a kick. So I do this stuff with my daughters. Yeah. But it's just kind of like self-defense games. But I don't go, I don't make my daughters go, okay, show me the Sunum Tao form. That's a straight <laughs> path to make them never want to do it, right? Oh, man. Um, and also, I'm not one of those parents that has to force um, what I do down my kid's throat. It's, it's, it's the weirdest thing when I talk to other parents, like, uh, do your kids do Wing Chun? I say, no. They're like, what? Mm. How come no. your kids don't do Wing Chun? I go, because they don't want to. <laughs> right? I mean, because they, they're, yeah. like, they're really into rhythmic gymnastics, and they yeah. did a little bit of martial arts with you. They, 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 they learn, you know, like how to put up a fence, how to do a sidekick, how to do some chain oh, punches, yeah. right? And they know some basic. I learned more from them then. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing is that, like, uh, because I think what a lot of dads have is, like, unrequited and unfulfilled childhood fantasies and they have to then impose this on their kids to kind of live out what they couldn't have first of all i've been doing martial arts since i was eight years old yeah so you didn't have that so i i had fantasy. like i was allowed to do martial arts as a kid <laughs> yeah. so the thing is like i can't go be to my, my department like, oh yeah you need to do martial arts as a child because uh -huh. i because uh, i never could no yeah. i i could and, and it's not a thing and if they want to do that that's fine but uh, um, the quickest way to get someone to hate something is to make them, to force a kid to do it. All right? Um, I teach adults who come here voluntarily to learn what I have to teach. Why <laughs> would I teach someone who doesn't want to be there learning, right? Their when parents no are for You have to go <laughs> to Kung Fu The martial arts equivalents of showbiz parents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, used to be a, I used to do dance many, many years ago, did ballet, tap, all these things. And did you? Yes, I did. And you were forced, or you this no, was your I, choice? I loved it. I did it through choice. But did you then know this? there were some um, 
some showbiz parents that were desperately trying to get me as the only boy at the dance school uh-huh. to dance with their daughters. And uh-huh. I was not about that right. at all. Yeah, and he wasn't they in those kind young of, hags. They kind of weren't really into it either. Not because of me, because they just felt like mummy was like living out there. Yeah. Uh, their yeah. dance fantasies. Yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? No, it's a huge thing. And like, but it's weird how many people look at me like, like I'm a monster for not forcing my children to do something they don't want to do. You know, my, my girls are really into rhythmic gymnastics and they're really good at it. They're good and at it. And I support yeah. them on, on that stuff, right? Totally. And so if you have a kid that is motivated to learn Wing Chun, you can teach them anything. And it's a matter of their five. I don't know. Five is a little tough. I, mean, I think eight is a better age. Um, but if a kid just wanted to do martial arts in general, I think kids should start with something a little more simple, like kickboxing and judo, get some basic striking basics, get some throwing basics. And then they can learn some Wing Chun and then they can see which way they want to go with it, right? Okay. Uh, we don't teach kids here at City Wing Chun. We just teach adults. So like I'm never the person to ask this question to. I've I built I've been I built a school on not teaching kids because yeah. in New York, because of our demographic of adults and the population here, I never needed to have to teach kids to keep this thing moving, right? Um, but most martial arts schools in the burbs, they have to. The and it's not to say it's bad or wrong or whatever. It's just like I'm not the guy to ask about teaching kids. Um I like my kids. I don't like kids in general. <laughs> All right. Like my, yeah. my girls have some friends that I like and some other girls that, that uh-huh. you know, that they play with and that are okay. Um, but like become becoming a parent didn't make me a kid. I like, I like my kids. Most yeah. other kids I find awfully annoying. <laughs> yeah. all the kids, that's yeah. all I got to say about that. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. You can now support us on YouTube for $4.99 a month to get your questions answered here or on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a Kung Fu genius. Technique speaks for me, not lineage. Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one. Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung. And I produce masters. You surpassed us. Your Kung Fu stiffer than corpse and caskets. City Wing Chung is the house I built. Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt. Alex Richter, always the victor. Alright, alright all right, peeps. On today's, on today's episode, episode of Kung, Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from the Patreons. Lots of... Ching, taking over the Ming, Ming. All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering all sorts of hot nonsense from the Patreons. Lots of gems, lots of Jeet Kune Do is dead, and lots of triads in the Shaolin Temple. And the Shaolin Temple, right? It was in or and?